Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. speechless but Penn State football put obliterated put a beat down hurt I don't I don't know the proper way to describe what we just saw 31 to nothing and it wasn't that close uh 397 yards to 76 offensive yards that's crazy. That was a crazy football game. I'm Thomas Frankar. This is the BWI Live Post Game Show. Hope you're having a great time uh, enjoying Penn State's win over Iowa uh, in uh, this game. <laughs> so, what do we uh, what do we think about that? I- I'm gonna need some help tonight because I don't really know where to start with 95, 97 offensive plays. Um, this is, uh, this is a beat down like that. So, okay. So normally I try to say like, what's the, what's the theme of the game here? What did Penn State try to do? What did off, what did Iowa counter with? What was the Iowa's Iowa had no game plan offensively. We didn't get to see any of it because Penn State took them and put them in the ground. Um, the way I kind of felt about it in the first drive you're running a shovel pass to your tight end um and you're doing a bunch of non-iowa things uh doing fake handoffs and and trying to get double reverse looks getting the tight end the football any way they could in any situation it kind of felt like right off the bat um it was kind of a desperation thing and then after that six plays and what was it here i gotta find it here Six plays, 24 yards. This is the sequence of their offense. Fumble, punt, 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 fumble, punt, fumble. That was their offense. They fumbled three times and they went three and out every other drive. By by the way, this game tried its hardest not to be interesting for the first half. That was almost unwatchable with all of the turnovers, the reviews, the measuring for a first down, the fourth down movement. Like, it was a lot of stopping. And it felt like uh, for a second that maybe 
that was going to play into Iowa's hands. It's 10 nothing for uh, the first half. And Penn State is struggling to cohesively put together an offense um, with just some frustrating non-finishing on uh, in certain situations. And uh, they, they made them work for it. 17 plays going 53 yards for a field goal uh, to start the game on their second drive. 10 plays for 39 yards and then a touchdown. Unlike last week, Penn State finished early with a touchdown and they were able to keep finishing later on with touchdowns. So uh, Penn State came out and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say they iowa Iowa because... I think you're going to find other people say that, and I definitely stole it from them, and I don't want to do that. But that's kind of the feeling here. Katron Allen, 21 carries, 72 yards. Nick Singleton, 17 carries, 49 yards. Just reading you the box score tonight because I don't really know, like, from, you know, I'm the X's and O's person that wants to break things down. Penn State played um, kind of like a, what I thought they would do against this four-down front. They went to their counter game. They folded that in. It didn't really have an effect on on the overall story of this game because they just kept putting together drives and plays of three and four yards and converting first downs. Um, you know, they, they, they ran their outside zone. They ran their inside zone. They threw the football. I felt like in this game, the one thing early on that really was evident was Penn State did not want to put the ball downfield. They, did, they didn't have a whole lot of interest in pushing the ball into deeper zones and, and forcing plays over the middle of the field. There was a lot of let's get Nick Singleton and Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren involved in this game early. So that's a lot of short passes. That's a lot of screen passes. That's a lot of let's play safe. Let's not use our quarterback to throw down the football field. And it shows. 25-37 for 166 yards completing 68% of his passes. Um, that is... Uh, I don't know if it's a satisfying... Like, if you're a fan, it's a satisfying win. But it, it just is... It's one of those situations where you look at this... This is a bizarro stat sheet. 37 attempts for 166 yards. And if again, it felt like that in the first half. Penn State trying to throw short, trying to throw to the running backs. Nick Singleton... Uh, had a bunch of non-targets as much as he had targets where they're trying to get him the ball. Uh, Mike makes a good point. Mike K says, Drew is money in the red zone. He's incredibly accurate, and he is uh, unbelievably uh, decisive. He has, a great, he has a great ability to find the open receiver and to throw a strike when he needs to. That arm strength, we always talk about this. Arm strength only matters when you have the decision-making and the accuracy to back it up, and he does. By the way, I'm assuming we're, we're six minutes into the show. You can hear me. I apologize if I sound like I'm umming and ahhing a lot. I can't hear myself. So if someone give me a thumbs up in the chat that you can you can hear me and I my levels aren't super low, I would appreciate that. This is always the danger of flying solo. Is like I didn't have anyone to talk to pregame, so I'm here just flying cold talking to you on the BWI Live postgame show. I uh, am your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Thank you for joining us. Uh, another late-night postgame show with Penn State doing a great job of keeping games short this year. You usually have the fourth quarter to kind of unwind and collect your thoughts. Uh, KJ Johnson says, super satisfying win after 2021 game. Defense was lights out. Offense did what it had to. Touchdowns in the red zone were huge. Converting those touchdowns in the red zone is absolutely huge. Yes, after the 2021 game, I, I 
I said this earlier. Um, I, I, I've said this to other people. There, if there's any game that has bothered me more than what the Iowa fans did in the 2021 game, I, I can't think of it. Like, that was... I I hated that. And, like, this is not... I, I, I don't consider myself a Penn State fan. I cover the team. Objective, unbiased, et cetera, et cetera. But that was a disgraceful thing. <laughs> and, yes, I can understand how Penn State fans and the football team would make this feel super satisfying um, so far. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try and increase the volume here. Give me one second. Doing this live is super fun. I apologize. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There we go. Yes. So this is the problem when you do a live uh, tailgate show and you use the same equipment uh, for everywhere. <laughs> so I appreciate you uh, staying with me. I figured we had super low volume, uh, but we are back. So if you got any questions, you got any talking points that you want to come up with, my goodness, I feel so much more comfortable being able to hear myself. <laughs> Anything you want to talk about, let me know here on the show. We're going to be uh, here for about an hour I, I, I try to make this an hour-long show where we talk about interesting things in the game, interesting situations, but literally 97 plays. I'm a little bit overwhelmed with the number of things we could talk about. Um, I, I don't want to start with negatives either. Like Nick Singleton, we can talk about him a little bit later. I'll say one of the things... I'll, let me, let me, let me uh, do this. Katron Allen. Early in the game, you saw Iowa stuffing things up the middle, not being able to run the ball in between the tackles. And on one of his first runs, Catron Allen bounces the ball to the outside on a zone run. That's like, unless you have elite speed or you've got, like, your tackle has thrown the defensive end into the benches. You don't want to run outside on a zone play because the leverage of the, the offensive lineman is away from where you're running. You're you're making it harder on them because that's the side the defensive lineman is on. So after he does that, he comes to the sideline later in the game, same situation, he stops, he looks for his cutback lane, and he gets five yards. And like it, it's just one of those runs that kind of goes into the ether of 57 different runs in this game. 21 by, by Katron himself. But that was a huge development within the game that is player progression going to the sideline Jay Wan Sider saying what are you doing you know you're not supposed to do that and then uh makes a, a better run gets five yards sits up second and five and it's it's plays like that it's development it's progression like that that makes you a better team each week and and fixing some of those things Penn State's offensive line didn't open up massive holes today uh, the defensive tackles for Iowa were giving the interior offensive linemen some trouble. Number 94, Black. He was a good football player that had a super long frame. I mean, he was bench pressing guards in and just standing there. And that was kind of their defense. So Penn State just stuck with it. Um, this was something that I think if you're, if you're a grinded out sort of person, you're enjoying this win because that's what they did. They grinded out a win once again. 
So that's um, that's that's something I like to see. Kenneth Coral says, unlock the offense a bit more tonight, even in the rain. Receivers caught passes they needed to with Warren being clutch in the end zone. Yeah, Tyler Warren turning into a super red zone target. Couple of moments, and, and by the way, thank you, Kenneth. Couple of moments in the game where the offensive uh, play calling and formations uh, have adapted and evolved. The T formation, they went with the QB sneak tonight quite a bit on fourth down. By the way, four of four on uh, on on fourth down, while being nine of twenty on third down. This was a this is again just a weird stat sheet night, but they used the same personnel from the T formation essentially rearranged them on the field and then got a touchdown out of that. So opening up, evolving and adapting things, showing that you can take that personnel and do different things. It doesn't always have to be the T formation. You run right or left. You can, we've seen them explode out into screens. Now we've seen them go into more traditional passing patterns. So this is a, uh, this, this is an offense that while it doesn't, it hasn't hit any explosive plays (laughs) to bring this up again, Nick Singleton running uh, for 19 yards and then catching another uh, pass for what was his long today? Uh, 10? 9? Yeah, so like they didn't get a lot of explosive plays, but they're just super consistent. And that goes back to Drew Aller. They trust him to be a consistent, decisive player and to not make a lot of mistakes. Um, there were times, and this is one of the problems, is a lot of this stuff is off-screen you know, on the on the first run through and you're watching them and you don't always see what the safeties are doing to know what else is available. But Penn State was definitely interested in keeping the ball in front of or around the linebackers. The goal tonight was to attack the linebackers, number 10, number 34. And give credit to Iowa. They did a good job of um, of, of stymieing that attack and being what they always are, hard to beat. Dis- you know, they, they don't make a lot of mistakes. Early in the game, uh, 49, the defensive lineman who got upfield and tackled Catron Allen for a loss on a read option when he was attacking the, the the quarterback on that play, sticks one foot in the ground and gets a tackle on the running back. So they came out to play. They took, Penn State took Iowa's best shot on defense, and uh, they were able to weather it and move on. Gary, uh, here in the chat as well. Gary, if you've got a question... Appreciate the donation. If you've got a question, please let me know. Uh, he says, great win. Have a drink on me, T. Frank. I appreciate that. I'm going to need it. It's been a very long day here so far. Um, Want to get to some of your other questions here. Robert Bosfield, was the D that impressive or Iowa play calling just that timid? So we talked about this Friday and then today earlier on uh, the uh, the tailgate show and then the preview show on Friday. They don't have any offensive weapons. Um, so you become one dimensional. There's no threat from the outside receivers. Did they even get a target tonight? Vines got one catch for 14 yards. Williams caught a, uh, that's the running back. No, they had one target to their receivers tonight. Um, so there's, there's two elements to this. The D that impressive. Yes. The Penn State defensive line from the beginning of the game controlled the flow of the game. So... Iowa was not coming in and was not going to uh, run the ball and dominate and be the bullies that they have tried to be and have succeeded to be at times in the past. Penn State was physical. They were aggressive. They were explosive. One of the plays were, uh, actually, it was the uh, the fumble by all to begin the game, and I'm just going to break it down because there's not much else to talk about from the Iowa offense, which is 
Penn State was in a blitz to the backside. They were in a zone blitz. So Abdul Carter is attacking the backside um, away from the center and where they were moving. And they pulled, you know, they bring two offensive players from the backside to the front side. And they basically catch Penn State in the wrong defensive play call. So that's Eric Hall is running upfield. Nobody is tackling him. It looks like the domination by the, the Iowa offensive line, but it was just there were no Penn State bodies there because they had called a blitz to the backside and Chop Robinson was dropping into coverage. So it, Iowa got him with a play call. Then they fumble, <laughs> and that was it. Um, there was another play where Cade McNamara ran for a first down. Uh, two things happened on that play, and it's not just that I like Curtis Jacobs. It's that I want to explain why there was no receiver out there for McNamara to throw the ball to. On on bootleg plays, you usually have three different receivers. You have a deep receiver, a middle receiver, and a short receiver. And you're reading half the field. You pick which one you want to throw to. Hakeem Beeman got so much penetration on the, on the run fake that he ran into Eric All, who was supposed to be the underneath drag route. The guy that's typically the primary guy on that passing play. So... There was no receiver for Curtis Jacobs to read on that play. So he thought it was a run play, and he's got the bootleg contain, but he doesn't see anything coming his way, so he stays with the run, and suddenly McNamara is out there by himself running for 12 yards. So Penn State's defensive line was on the other line uh, side of the line of scrimmage all night long. And when you combine the fact that um, Iowa doesn't have any receivers and their offense was tailored around one player sort of, you know, a bit of that, there was nowhere left for them to run. And that's really how the day went for them. Five for 14 for 42 yards. They had, uh, how many total plays did they have? 33 total plays. That's like, you, you have that in a half. So the Penn State defense was dominant because they did what they needed to do up front to stop the only realistic threat that Iowa had on the game, on the day. And they... They uh, stopped the running game. They uh, contained the bootlegs. The quarterback isn't mobile, and their offensive line uh, hasn't really been tested so far this year. And that's what we saw. We saw that Penn State was the dominant team, and that side of the ball was able to shift the field in such a way that really the only thing that kept Iowa in the game early on with special teams. Penn State was starting at the one-yard line multiple times or inside the uh, the, the five-yard line multiple times, and that caused kind of an awkward ram ramshackle start. And that's that's really, other than that, once they were able to level literally level the field and start on the 25, they drove down for a touchdown to, to start the third quarter. Uh, we, we're talking about the game here. Uh, there isn't another home game for a little bit. We're going to go on the road to Northwestern, a bye week, and then homecoming. Big game. It's against UMass, but it's a homecoming game. It's the beginning of October. It's the start of the, the, the Big Ten football weather season. So join us here in Happy Valley. Come watch the game in person and stay at Alum Lodge. Alum Lodge is basically Airbnb, but just for you, just for Penn State football fans. Join us here in Happy Valley at one of their three great locations. You can literally stay at a horse ranch. They have horses there. Have cornhole outside, have a bonfire, maybe have some tin cup. I don't know what you like to do uh, the night before. Um, lots of room to stay. You can have a bunch of people at the house. It's this nice, really big, old ranch house. Um, or you can stay in Park Forest, which is the old one of the oldest of the uh, of the neighborhoods in State College. Super nice. I love it. 
if you love a uh, collegiate atmosphere, lovely house in Park Forest. That's where all of the townies live, by the way. Or you can live at the village of Penn State for a weekend and see how uh, the other side lives, live in uh, the, the heart of it all, only two miles from Beaver Stadium. The best part about this is they have a concierge system where you rent the house and then they say, hey, what do you like? Hamburgers? Hot dogs? Uh, what kind of coffee do you like? concierge uh, service where they will get everything ready for your specifications, shop and arrange the home for you to enjoy your stay. So not only are you going to homecoming, you're staying super nice. You get a house. Uh, and if you use promo code BWI, you get 10% off your booking. So book right now because this team is going to be undefeated going into that game. And I'm not, I mean, it's Northwestern. They don't have a coach right now. I don't, they, don't have, they don't have a head coach going into this game. So Penn State is on a roll. They're looking at like everything was supposed to happen. Preseason has happened so far for this team heading into homecoming. So LumLaunch.com, 10% off your booking. Corey, appreciate you uh, joining us here on the show as well. Thank you for uh, the super chat. appreciate that. A um, uh, lot of people here. So if you want to get a question on the show, uh, it is going to be one of those nights where I see super chats, and that's what I answer because we've got uh, probably a couple hundred people in the chat, a couple hundred messages coming through at the same time. Bruno says, great win. Just happy here. Uh, question, is it sustainable to have all these turnovers every game? That's a great question. And no, it is not sustainable to have all of these turnovers every single game. But they are more predictable than it seems. So you're going up against bad offenses with bad quarterbacks. And I, I, I am sorry to say that of Cade McNamara. He's not a good quarterback. Um, the, the strip sacks... You know, they practice that. You watch Penn State practice highlights they put up each week. They practice reaching out and grabbing that football. And if you leave it out there, which they did in the backup quarterback when he came into the game, he just left it out there like a potato, and they took it from him. So are they sustainable? Not when you go against better players that are have, <laughs> have more options. Like the Iowa offense didn't have any options tonight. He couldn't throw the ball to anybody because Penn State's corners are better than their receivers. And when you take away Eric Hall, he almost threw the ball to uh, Abdul Carter, but Abdul Carter, they did a great job of doubling the slot player on one third down where they, they got uh, a completion. And the only reason that they, the ball was completed is because Abdul Carter started going after the quarterback on a scramble. Um, so the, the sacks were predictable. The turnovers and the ball hitting the turf, that is a function of being there and having good technique and doing it the right way. But are you saying later in the season, can you count on a turnover a game? No. No, you can't count on that. But I do think the function of the sacks and the interceptions and the fumbles are all part of the game plan coming in. We said last week, coming out of that game, Luke Altmaier would lead you to the ball, would lead you where the ball was going. Cade McNamara holds on to the football. He doesn't throw the football if he's not sure, and he was not sure tonight. So that is something that they uh, they were able to do and get those turnovers and those uh, sacks tonight. So great question about the predictability of that. It's just more about can you constantly get to the quarterback? And yeah, again, not to be not to be negative, it took longer than I expected <laughs> because they kept going three and out. Um, this game, I thought they would have way more pressure. So here's a fun thing. Okay, here's a fun thing we can talk about when it comes to what Penn State did tonight that we haven't seen before. So you get the Prowler package, and this is something we talked about in the preseason. You have too many good pass rushers on this team. There are too many guys that need to be on the field for third down. 
Chop Robinson, Abdul Carter, Deny Dennis Sutton, Zane Durant, Hakeem Beeman, and who am I forgetting? Oh yeah, Adisa Isaac, the starter. It's five guys. They play three on the line of scrimmage. Now I know Abdul Carter is a linebacker, but he is a heavy pass rusher in these situations. So what they did today is uh, they watched the film and saw that number 65, I think it's Logan Jones, susceptible to a bull rush. Now with Iowa State, when that happened, they had a nose tackle on him. Tonight, Penn State put Chop Robinson right on his nose and let him rush over the top. Not only that, they had Carter and uh, and they had Abdul Carter and Chop Robinson in the A gap together. So that is immediate danger. Will Robinson like there is this is a problem for them. And I just assumed it was going to work immediately because on the outside you've got Adisa Isaac and Deny Dennis Sutton. So they had three of their defensive ends on the field, and they had. Um, uh, they had uh, Abdul Carter up there as well with Curtis Jacobs and Johnny Dixon and, the, you know, that blitz package look that they have. Suddenly they have more pass rushers up there and Iowa couldn't contain it. And then when you are forced to hold on to the football and try and push the football down the field, that's where some of those uh, stat, th- those those sacks and your predictable, obvious pass rushing situations, that's when Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac really were able to tee off and get there. Um, so that's, again, we talked about that pregame of those tackles for Iowa, not looking great in space, but not seeing guys that could challenge them. Um, and then on the flip side, I thought that for the most part, uh, the tackles for Penn State did a good job. Olaf, Olaf did a great job. Caden Wallace, I thought did a great job. If there's one time, there was one play that I'm thinking of where both guys got kind of pushed back into the pocket. It compressed the top of the pocket a little bit and Aller, uh, could have stepped up, but drift. He does this now that that's kind of a thing we've noticed. He drifts out of the pocket, rolls to his right, right couldn't find anybody, and threw the football away. So, uh, a lot of times, even in those situations, your offensive line is doing okay, and the quarterback can drift into pressures and make it look worse than it was. Um, so, I don't remember. I know he was sacked maybe once, but uh, maybe he was hit once and not sacked. The offensive line did a great job. We talked about that coming into this game. They had to keep him upright. They didn't give a lot of opportunities for Iowa to even do that, though. I imagine watching this game, and then when you see the stats and some of the advanced analytics, the average depth of target for Drew Aller over the last three games is probably like under five yards, which is very, very low. So they're being very careful, very judicious with their quarterback. They really haven't aired it out a whole lot. Uh, Great win, kept the D on the field with great runs on first down, kept the O off the field by dominating their tackles. Loved it, says Dear Old State. Dear Old State, thank you for the comment. Thank you for being here. Um, Beach Wine Guys says, saw a new product in the grocery store, Franklin's Pretzels, best when salty. <laughs> you you noticed that, Beach Wine Guy? Uh, that, uh, that, that there's a little extra salt on that pretzel this week. Yeah, I have a feeling they enjoyed this particular win. 31 to nothing. Penn State didn't even shut out Delaware. So... For the record, Delaware had more options on offense than Iowa did. El Guapo says, first big, uh, first big 2023 wrecking ball party by Chop and Adisa totally outmanned the, uh, <laughs> I don't think I can say, can I say that? Can I say that word on there? Anyway, Iowa. Yes, they did. They absolutely got to the quarterback. Denied that Sutton looked good. I think this is one of those. Okay, here you go. The last piece now for all of the stars and everybody who you wanted to see get all of the stats is Kalen King's got to get an interception. But if you're just going and looking at stats, um, it felt pretty good on this one. Although not a lot of tackles. I don't. I don't know the Penn State defense. The they they 
top tackler was Abdul Carter with three tackles. They just weren't on the football field to to accumulate any of those stats that you want from them. But you have forced fumble, forced fumble, forced fumble, three forced, maybe four forced fumbles in the game. By the way, do I see Dom DeLuca uh, forced a fumble? I don't even remember that. I don't remember which one Dom DeLuca forced. But once again, <laughs> the turnover king is number zero. So Penn State football, even even their depth and, and rotational players and a guy that is a, a quasi starter on the game. Uh, Dom DeLuca getting in on the party. Uh, let's go here and talk to somebody in the chat that we haven't talked to yet. Uh, I apologize <laughs> because I'm trying to find one. Here we go. Sean Crowley. Focus on North- Northwestern. Don't fall in the trap going back to Illinois again right before the bye week. Also another early kickoff. Go fi- finish September strong. Yeah, that uh, that is... I don't know if I ever believe in trap games. But I do think that that is obviously you got to keep your focus because the next game after this whole soft part of the schedule is Ohio State. So for all of you that are already aware of that, let's um, let's just go through the the schedule you have coming up at Northwestern, a bye week, UMass homecoming, then at Ohio State. And Ohio State, you know, you uh, I I assume the game ended at this point I have I see in the chat I've seen that Ohio State won and they lost so I'm I think Ohio State won the game but I have no clue at this point I'm here live out here in the wind not going to be checking scores and things like that um JM says feels like PSU managed to hold a lot of their looks close to the vest and still be 4-0 in impressive fashion Ohio State may be the first time we see the offense open up I've been thinking a lot about this and I can't say that that's 100% true. We have seen wrinkles evolve and show themselves here and there. Like I said, so Pensei did very much keep things basic against Delaware. We're going to line up and we're going to run into the look that you expect. And then against uh, Illinois, they kind of did the same thing. They threw in a little bit more outside zone, but really they didn't do anything different. They've put flashes of things here and there, running power, running counter, and especially like in the run game specifically. From a passing perspective, I think they have very much kept things close to the vest. They have not opened up the offense and tried to attack downfield a lot. But part of this is also Aller. And this is another thing we got to talk about with Drew Aller is, I don't know if this is going to be a bad thing eventually, but he is unbelievable at taking the easy access throws. So if you play a soft zone coverage against Penn State, this is now a fact. This is on film for four games. If you play a cover three or a cover four, he is going to find the soft corner and he is going to rifle the ball in there and he's going to get seven yards, 11 yards, whatever whatever you're giving him, whatever the receiver can get afterwards, he's going to take all of that. So can you bait him into something? I don't know because he's been so good at finding those. In this game against Iowa, like they are a very good zone team that does not make a lot of mistakes, and they don't bust their coverages. They are in position. And he was still able to, hey, is that cover three? Bang, first down. Hey, oh, that's cover four. Out route uh, with my wide receiver against a linebacker and get six yards to set up either a third and short or a fourth and short. Or a one-on-one against Cooper DeGene with Keandre Lambert-Smith where it's just, he's playing too soft. I'm going to throw the out route and you get like, they aren't trying very hard to get these yards. They're just finding the available yards. So I do think on the passing side, 
We've seen some interesting looks, and we've seen some repeated plays from different formations, but maybe on the passing side, they haven't opened up and gone as vertical as they did last year with Sean Clifford. They aren't attacking the seams the same way that they did. They're doing a lot more, it feels like, and I, I'm saying this in feels, I haven't looked at the data and I haven't looked at the film specifically to say this, but it feels like they're doing more levels concepts where they're putting one defender in conflicting and letting Drew throw the ball to the proper level. And that is resulting in some shorter throws. That's resulting in some check it down to the running back. Maybe you're throwing to the tight end, but there's a lot of screens, especially in this game. So the passing attack, as far as the explosive downfield part of it, is that part of being in 12 personnel a lot? Or is that a part of, like you said, they're holding things close to the vest? I do think they played this game conservative. So if we're if we're keeping score, they really haven't opened it up since the opening game against West Virginia when you don't know what you were getting. And that, I think we, we talk about, again, going back to the original point of holding things back, I always think that they don't, but, but you know, because there's all there's little things I can point to, like the fact that they have used so many different formations with the tight ends in the backfield um, and the different ways they've shaded Nick Singleton behind them. Having He was offset in this weird, deep pistol formation, which I've never seen from anybody before, where you have uh, him offset in a pistol two yards deeper and to the left. So they are showing some things that's like, what is that? I've never seen that before. But it's not like they're showing explosive pass concepts where where they're they're opening up and attacking the seams. So there are areas of the playbook that we know exist from Mike Yersich being the offense coordinator that we haven't seen um, uh, we haven't seen from them previously. Kenneth says, can you go over the fade route and why it's different with Aller as opposed to Clifford film room item? think you know the answer Kenneth I mean Sean's off doing his thing do I have to <laughs> I don't want to I, accuracy it matters it matters and 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 I'll leave it at that um it was it's it, <laughs> they haven't faced I, I'm trying to even remember the play I apologize but I remember it was a beautiful drop it in the bucket sort of thing and arm talent doesn't mean just velocity. Larry says, I knew we'd score 30. Uh, wet conditions too. Tell people to stop crying about the run, D. Wake up, Penn State fans. Stop living off the, uh, the Michigan game. Um, that, is, that is a scar that hasn't gone away. But uh, Penn State fans, put it in the chat if you're watching this on replay. Are you still concerned about the run defense? Uh, a a one-dimensional sort of, uh, of attack. I will. That's the one caveat I'd say here, Larry, is that this is um, this is a situation where you came in knowing you had to stop one thing. Uh, other teams will present more complex problems for them to solve that will force them to cover the field in a different way. I'm not trying to take away anything from the run defense because they came out angry and mean and it showed they were excellent abdul carter is becoming a very good middle linebacker coming um you know into the right gap dipping through blocks i love the way he's starting to, to learn how to use his uh defensive end skills and dip blocks and get there in the run game it's just that that shoulder under and he's able to dip around the hands and then get into position to make a tackle i think that that's a really a really good uh skill that he's developing and one that's obviously going to help for a very long time in his career. 
Um, HL Aristoteles asks, uh, I was hoping Petty James would try to score again at the end. Yeah, yeah. This whole conversation about running up the score, I was hoping, <laughs> I was so, I'm glad we're not having that particular conversation, but they were having that conversation on the broadcast. And I know earlier in the chat, people, people were, were talking about, um, the broadcast and, and how it was, and it was, it definitely was a broadcast. I will always, uh, I, I, I will give them credit for, they put on a broadcast. Uh, but they talked a lot about running up the score. And I just, I kind of think that's a non-story. I'm glad that we're, other than me talking about it right now, we're not talking about it. Um, always real. My first go-to after Penn State game. Love the natural happiness you project after these games. Keep it up. Bring uh, big things coming. Appreciate you, uh, Rob. I appreciate you saying that. I love talking about football. I just, I'm a little tongue-tied today because this is just a, this was, is this how Iowa fans feel of like, I don't remember what happened in the game, but they won and it's fine? Because Penn State's game plan was run for three yards, run for three yards again, run for two yards on a fourth down, and then run for three yards again, throw in some screens, throw in some short passes. I don't really, I, I, I love getting into the X's and O's and, uh, I, did, I, I don't, I'm not getting my jonesing of this. I, I, I We're going to get into it on T. Frank's film room on uh, Monday or Tuesday or Sunday or Monday. But I just, I'm drawing a blank on like things. I wrote, I write down notes throughout the game of this is a theme of something I'm seeing. This is um, obviously a part of the, the, the plan of attack or individual players that played a certain way. And all I'm coming up with is they, they rammed their head through Iowa until Iowa wasn't in front of them anymore, and it was 31 to nothing. Speaking of ramming your head through things, Nick Singleton and uh, his running style. He is a violent runner, and he is working through the balance between being patient and being a downhill player. That one pass where he got a man coverage, and they threw him a swing pass, and he ran nine yards... I don't think I've ever seen a more violent and explosive nine yards. That looked like when you let a thoroughbred out of the, the pen and it just goes. He looked like that was the first time he'd ever seen daylight. So um, I think that there's a little bit of frustration there with Singleton and wanting to be patient, wanting to be a good runner and read things, but also he's pressing a little. Because there was one play where they're running their counter and Theo Johnson is pulling, and you're you're following your blocks, right? And you're supposed to wait for your blocks to set up. Well, he's faster than everybody. He sees a hole. There's a linebacker in it, and he just uh, he decides, ah, I'm gonna just go forward. If he just waits for a second, Theo Johnson wraps around, gives him a shoulder to run off of, and you could bounce that to the outside. Uh, there's a couple other times where you you look at him, and um, his eyes take him where he wants to go, but. Feels like he's just kind of struggling to break out of this, I'm going to be a patient runner. And not that I think he should run downhill and not look where he's going, but um, that's really what he's working through right now, is just like trying to find the right hole and trying to be correct in the play. When sometimes you're the running back, you've got to make everybody right because what's in front of you isn't really working. He also seems to get a lot of looks where it's technically blocked correctly, but there isn't really a hole there. He's got you know, two butts to run through where his offensive linemen have 
have turned their players, but there's not any space. And again, that's give credit to the Iowa defense. If there's one thing that held up for most of the night, it was the Iowa defensive line and their front seven to prevent Penn State from blowing things wide open. But Nick, uh, uh, Catron Allen in the second half, his ability to read those blocks, like we talked about, his ability, ability to pick through in his vision, were really good. And then the one play, and I, I, again, I, I, these things are coming back as we talk about them. Um, the one run where Nick Singleton broke two uh, tackles and ran for 20 yards, that's what you're looking for. You want more consistency in that area of making the first player miss and restarting and exploding. And I think that's something that he's going to have to unlock as the season goes on so that Penn State can continue to uh, to win these games as the talent around them increases as they get into the you-know-who's on the schedule in October and November. Ryan Anderson says, we out Iowa to Iowa. This was winning a Big Ten football game in dominating physical fashion. Ryan, it even started raining in the fourth quarter, too. Like, it all became... Uh, what it was for for the game, for a Big Ten throwback. The only thing James Franklin didn't do is he didn't get under center and run with a fullback, which I heard about pre-game. I heard about it in the uh, live chat at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Uh, I heard about it post-game as well. They need to get under center and run play action. Brian Ferentz needs to go for Iowa. The game plan was just uh, PSU Football 73. What was the game plan? What was the game plan? Tell me what the game plan was. I would love to know because there wasn't like there wasn't one. We never got to see it because they went three and out on all of the every single one of these drives. Um, one thing I want to mention before we get, go any further is that if you haven't yet, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This conversation is just one of the conversations we can have. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, if you sign up right now, literally right now, for the big game special, it might still be live. Because if you didn't notice, the big game is over. Penn State won it 31-0 in the whiteout. Feels good. That's why we're all here. That's why we're talking about Penn State football. Um, but it's 50% off right now. That is going to go away sometime this weekend. I don't know if it's Sunday. I don't know if it's early Monday morning. But this 50% off special is going away soon. And I was thinking about this when I was taking a walk on Friday. I've been watching film. And I was thinking about, you know, what we were going to talk about on the, the tailgate show. And I just kept coming back to this. You can spend five to six times the amount of money on one tailgate for alcohol as you could to get a year subscription to Blue White Illustrated, to get insider information, to know who's re who's committing, who uh, is going to be at the whiteout game. We'll go in depth and I'll actually get some words to tell you on uh, Sunday and Monday in T. Frank's film room about uh, what happened for the Penn State offense and some of the areas where they can clean up and some of the stuff that can go better for them in the future. Something I'm looking at is uh, that right guard position. Sal Wormley, uh, we mentioned 94 for Iowa, was was kind of gumming things up in the middle, not really moving anyone off the ball, but not giving up any ground. So they brought in Vega Ioane, and I don't know how they're planning on running the snaps you know, during the game, Who's supposed to be in when, and is it drive by drive, or is it if somebody struggles, then they come out? Um, that is something I'm looking at is that right guard position because this was kind of a rough game for Sal from a run blocking perspective. And again, Penn State, JB Nelson, and Hunter Norzai were getting good movement in the run game, but it just it feels like Penn State is constantly one block away from an explosive run, and they were they did it again this game where they had. Nick Singleton on an outside zone, and JB Nelson just needs to hold on to his block for a second longer, and he's got. 15 yards 
and it's just slide off, tackle, and it's a one-yard gain. And, and part of that is just the nature of run blocking and running, but it feels like they're just so close all the time and yet consistently far away from ripping off those big runs, which you uh, th- this offense is capable of. And that's part of the, the last two weeks. Go in and, and see how the run blocking is doing on a play-to-play level. Uh, but last week, I thought it was really good. They just couldn't get any big runs because of the way Illinois is playing the game. This week, I don't know if it was as good, but they had a couple of opportunities, and they did have some good holes for the running backs to run through. Uh, Jeff, and Jeff, I apologize. I'm not going to try and pronounce your name live here, Cold Catron's style fits well against Iowa, similar to pre-injury Noah Kane against Iowa. If they don't load the box, he'll chew up first downs like a machine. I think that's a great point. His ability to... Um, his ability, somebody says 500 bucks on booze. Uh, we need to get you on 90 light. Okay. So is my math wrong? 50 times five. Uh, it's 250 bucks, right? 50 times five, 250 bucks. Yeah. I mean, I would say $500. I've been to tailgates where people spent $500 on booze. And by the way, that's also not that hard. Have you been to a liquor store before? It is super easy if you just look this way. And you look up there and you're like, oh yeah, there's the $100 bottle. Um, I have a very, very nice taste. So I never buy any of that stuff, but I'm always looking at it. Um, Yeah, Catron Allen's running style. Jeff is absolutely right. Of his ability to cut and make people miss and dance and not be dancing in the hole, if that makes sense. So he would... It, the, the running back dynamics here are good. Like, it's healthy between the two of them. But they are strange. When you have Nick Singleton, who was, uh, you know, Gatorade Player of the Year freshman as, as a senior in high school. He was a, uh, I think he was a freshman All-American. And he's not on the football field till five minutes to go in the first quarter. And, like, that's not a that's not a surprise. Because Katron Allen got a three and out, so they brought him in for the second drive. And the second drive went for six minutes. So, like, he just didn't get into the field until Katron Allen tapped out of the game. It's just the, the, the dynamics of, like, what you would expect are different than in some other situations. Um, and, and you've got two really good running backs, and apparently Trey Potts is another great running back on the same level, according to the guys in the booth of this game. Um, again, I, 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 doing play-by-play is really hard. And uh, give them a couple more years. They might have. They might get the hang of it. Chris says, last year I saw Vega and JB were better than Sal and Tangwall. Um, I, as freshmen, no. But, you know, as first-year players in the program, better potential? I don't think they have better potential than Landon Tangwall. Landon Tangwall you know, injured, uh, you're, you're not going to get much agreement that Landon Tangwall is not as good as those football players. He's just, his career has been a very dis, you know, disappointing for him and super, uh, the word is coming to mind is tragic, but you know, he's going to live just dis- It's, it's a disappointment, you know, watching Landon Tangwall play football was something we were all hoping to do and injuries forced that to not be the case. And that is, that is, uh, hard for him gut-wrenching for him, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that those guys were better than Landon Tangwall. We don't we will never know how good Landon Tangwall is. Um Y'all must have forgot. Some of your some of your screen names are great. They they take me a second to read. 
Uh, but I like that. That falls off the tongue well. Y'all must have forgot, says KLS is that guy this year. The catch on the fade route is a big confidence builder. You know, I felt bad for him on that uh, on that face mask penalty. I kind of agreed with it. But at the same time, like receivers and running backs do that all the time. Fairly certain Christian McCaffrey did that on Thursday Night Football, and they called it on him. And I'm happy for him that that didn't shake his confidence. You saw him later in the game when he got his helmet pulled off by Cooper DeGene. He's just smiling about it. Better balance from him internally, it seemed, because, yeah, uh, eight catches for 66 yards and a touchdown, and that fade route was a beautiful, really tough catch. I think that that's uh, confidence builder is absolutely the case. And remember, there's a, there's a situation where he would have had a 60-yard touchdown last week. Maybe it was it 40, whatever it was on the play where, where Aller missed him deep. So he's he's doing what he needs to do as the team's number one receiver. I'm, I'm impressed. He's a couple of games now where he's had to be the guy moving the chains. He's had to be the guy that um, is the possession, possession receiver. Like in this game, he's been three catches, 123 yards. He's been what they need him to be in every single game. By the way, uh, Trey Wallace cleared to play today. I saw him on the football field, but... Just like Amari Evans, you know, like who I think has also been banged up. They're technically out there, but not really being a part of the uh, um, not being a part of the offense. So that's an area where you talk about, are they hiding some stuff? Are they holding some stuff back? I don't know, again, that they're holding stuff back. But when you when you don't necessarily have confidence in all of your receivers being consistent, they're going to the guys that they need to uh, to get the job done in those situations. And it's been a lot of Keandre Lambert Smith and he's done a great job. Indiana wins in four overtimes. Whew. That's an, these, there was another overtime game today as well. Wasn't there? I, I think, uh, Michael says, I'd love to see Cephas get more playing time as well. Cephas has been working his way. I believe he started today. He was one of the starters. He's been working his way up the depth chart. And this is something we talked about on the on the BWI live show. Don't count the end of training camp as a player's opportunity to move up and down the depth chart and to develop. We talked about Malik McLean and his big game and his uh, you know opening game against West Virginia. He had the opportunity to make all the mistakes and do all the things and learn the offense in the offseason. Well, Dante Cephas has to do it on the job right now. And as a guy who came in and was supposed to be one of the top two receivers on the team, top three receivers on the team, we're now a month in. He has been with the team for two months, and you're seeing things start to get going for him. Uh, I know he only had one catch for 11 yards, but he gets the start. He's on the offense. They're trusting him more. Um, so it, there is there is a, a lot more for him to give as the season goes on, and that's an area where... Maybe it's not even holding things back in the playbook. It's just the offense evolves as they find out more of what he can do and what you can put on his shoulders. Um, so this is the BWI Live Show. If you join us here a little bit late, we're going to be going for a couple more minutes. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. You are my co-host tonight. Thank you for doing an awesome job so far. You guys have been super helpful in the chat. Bringing up things to talk about in a game where Penn State just... This is the level of disparity in team skill and the... Uh, you know, overall team build that you expect at lower levels of football, not in the Big Ten, where Penn State holds the opponent to under 100 yards. Not 100 yards rushing. 100 yards. Iowa had 20 yards rushing in this game. 
I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what their scheme was. Were they were, were they trying to? They did a little bit more counter. They did a little bit things like outside the box to start, and then they just went back and went, "Hey, you know what? Um, we're going to do what we do, and that's going to get us zero points." So Brian Ferentz, once again, I, I I I say I don't want to put this on him because he you know his number one weapon was gone, and he had to find a way in a week to adapt the offense and to go up against one of the nation's best defenses. But also, he's the dude that has a clause in his contract that he needs to get to 30, 325 points, and they got zero tonight. The question really here should be, should Penn State have let them score to hopefully get Brian Ference to keep his job so they can see him in the future? That's really, I think, that's the next-level Bill Belichick chess game we should be playing, that did Manny Diaz make a mistake by not letting them score points, so therefore Brian Ferentz gets fired, and maybe the offense for Iowa evolves. Yes, Scott says here, Iowa didn't even try to throw a receiver. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't try to do that tonight. And Penn State played a conservative, controlled game. The weather wasn't a factor for most of the time. And again, we talked about this pregame. If you've got a, a quarterback named Drew Aller who has an arm as strong as he does, the wind shouldn't be an issue. And tonight, I didn't see any issues with the ball sailing on him or any mistakes when it came to the ball slipping. You know, big hands, strong arm. He's the guy that you want playing in weather like this, and it showed. He, he was Other than the one screen pass that might have been a throwaway where he's trying to kill the play, I think for the most part... Um, this is this was a, a another really clean game for him, and I this is what we've been saying about him as a football player, and it's starting to become true. Like the, he is a very conservative player. He's a very safe football player. Does that? It will have to evolve for them to win games. He is going to have to in the middle of the field start pushing the ball down into some tighter windows. But you love the confidence that he's going to be able to do that, watching him throw bullet after bullet in the red zone. Like, as good as he is in the red zone is another thing that Penn State fans should be really excited about because those throws into those tight windows when he's confident and he rips it, that's impressive. Like, again, you talk about the hierarchy of things when it comes to a quarterback. Accuracy and decision-making and arm strength. And once you get accuracy and decision-making in a guy this size with that arm, that's where you get the magic to happen. So um, that was a great 166 yards and four touchdowns. Very impressive. And I said pregame. I love passing. I want my quarterback to be the leader of the team. I want to lean on the quarterback. And he threw the ball 37 times. Now, they did run it 57 times. And they did run almost 100 plays in this game. But still, 37 passes. They tried to put the ball in his hands a little bit. But also take some of the decisions away from him. And that is, I guess, if there's one thing that was missing for me, from this it was like let him make those decisions let him make those throws but why why give iowa the opportunity to do something good and to make an interception or to something bad happen and tonight nothing really bad happened for penn state and uh, that does it for me i'm thomas frank Carr. i have uh think I've said all the things that were interesting to say and some of the things that weren't interesting to say here on the BWI Live Post Game Show. Thanks for everyone hanging out with me. Another great crowd tonight. If you're watching this on replay, you can please like the video. We just passed 12,000 subscribers in uh, on the Blue White Illustrated channel. And I want to tell you something. I am a super quietly competitive person. I want to win really bad at everything I do. And so today before the game, I did something that I've been thinking about for a while. And I went through all of the on three 
uh, YouTube channels, Blue White Illustrated, part of the On3 network. We are 11th. We are just outside of the top 10. So help Blue White Illustrated, help me, help Penn State win in the competition between other fan bases. Because right now, uh, we're 11th. We can be way higher than that. You saw 110,000 people at the game today. If we get uh, 10% of those people to subscribe here to the YouTube channel, we're going to be in the top five up there with Ohio State and Notre Dame and all the other uh, great channels we have here at On3. And I don't want to lose to anybody. I want this to be the number one channel. So help me get into the top five. You do that by subscribing here uh, to the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Thank you so much for everybody showing up tonight. This is uh, This has been a ton of fun. Hopefully we talked about some good football. We'll be back after the next game. And here's the thing. Here's I want the same energy from you after a sleepy Northwestern game where Penn State is going to be most likely in a similar situation, but it's Northwestern and it wasn't the whiteout. Let's get another 750 people here next Saturday because I'm bringing the same effort. I'm bringing the same intensity. I'm bringing the same crazy and hopefully some more interesting things to break down. Honestly, I would like some more interesting things to talk about next week. So Hopefully we get to see something new and cool, and I'll tell you about it then on the BWI Live postgame show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We will talk to you on Monday. We'll recap the game, talk a little bit about recruiting, and we've got more great stuff coming up on the YouTube channel right here postgame with uh, instant reactions and, of course, James Franklin's press conference. We'll talk to you later.